0: how to sing, <laughs> sing just well any, anybody can sing but not everyone can sing well because <laughs> <clears throat> I love to sing I, I love to sing and um, thank you ladies that was that was pretty awesome I appreciate that very much turn in your Bibles if you would to Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Philippians in chapter 3. We're, we are uh, going to change gears uh, this morning for a little bit. Um, those of you that uh, are regular attenders know that we've been working our way through the book of 1 Thessalonians. And we're almost done. We've got like two or three verses left. And... <clears throat> uh, more specifically, we've been recently looking at the 22 commandments that God gives us at the end of the book of First Thessalonians, and we've uh, we've only got two left. And uh, next week we're going to be looking uh, at those last two commandments. But this morning uh, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I want to. I guess uh, what's the word? Uh, I don't even know the right word. Um, tempt, tempt you? I, 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 that's not a, that's not the right. What's another word for tempt? Entice. entice. There you go. That's a better word. I want to entice you uh, to come back next week. Okay. Uh, so now, now nobody's going to show up. I, uh, but anyway, um, no, I want to, I want to kind of whet your appetite a little bit for next week because God, since <clears throat> probably March, uh, God has been working on my heart about the next two verses or, or the, excuse me, the next two commandments. Let me be a little more specific and <clears throat> the next two commandments Uh, I believe, uh, have challenged me as a pastor to reevaluate my vision for the church. Does that make sense? Um, And so we are going to, next week, I'm going to be laying out, in, in, in a sense, what I believe will be the vision for Grace Baptist Church moving forward for quite some time. Uh <clears throat> the Bible says in uh Psalm chapter 19 verse 18 uh <clears throat> where there is no vision uh, the people perish. And what 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 can happen uh in our personal lives uh in uh the church uh even in in, in corporations uh it, it doesn't matter uh, we can become stale can we not? And uh, not not that Grace Baptist Church has become stale, but we've become stale. we We have been doing things the same way for years. and uh, we're gonna we're gonna be making some changes. And um, some of these changes you may like, some of them you may not like. I'm sorry about that. Um, but, God has given me a vision. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to next week. I started to just go ahead and share it this week. But God God really put this on my heart for you this morning, or for us this morning. Um, But this morning, I want to talk about what is a vision. See, because (coughs) I can share a vision, but if you don't understand what a vision is, then it's just a bunch of words. And I, I don't want this vision to be my vision. I want it to be our vision. And if, if, if we as a church can get a hold of what I believe God is trying to do in our lives, it can, it can not only change the, the heart and the temperature of our church, but it can change the heart and the temperature of our own lives. So please come back next week and uh, see what God has uh, put on my heart uh, for us moving forward. Um, what is a vision? That's the title of my message this morning. Very, very simple. What is a vision? Um, the, the truth is, every year I pray, I start praying, uh, usually in the, in the springtime, uh for a theme for our church for the next year um it, it, God usually doesn't give it to me right away but that's when I start praying I start praying early on about okay God what what is the, the what is the theme what is the vision for this next year uh, and <clears throat> last year uh, in the fall uh, uh God gave me the, the the theme to focus, and we we spent this year focusing on God. Not knowing when God put the the theme of focus on my heart <clears throat> over a year ago, not knowing that three months into uh, 2020 we would be thrust into a worldwide pandemic. And if there has ever been a time in the life of Christians, it is this time that we need to focus on the goodness of God. The fact that God is on the throne. Because when the world is spinning out of control, we can always trust that God is in control. <clears throat> I remember early on preaching a message, uh, I think, I want to say it was in January, but I'm not sure, last January, um, um, those of you, well no, it c- couldn't have been January, because uh, I was really sick in January, it was probably sometime in February, I I preached this message entitled, Focusing on One Thing. And we talked about <clears throat> preparing our hearts and our minds to be able to focus on God. I, I shared with you a quote <clears throat> from uh, Warren Wiersbe. He says this, uh, The eye sees what the heart loves. And, and what, what, what is Warren Wiersbe saying? We are going to focus on what we want. What, whatever, the, 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 the desire of our heart is what we're going to focus on if 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 our desire are is the things of God then that's what we're going to focus on but if our desire is the things of this world guess what that's what we're going to focus on i again i cannot think of a more appropriate theme for the year 2020 than to focus now <clears throat> i have the theme for next year. But I'm not going to tell you yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not even going to tell you next week. I'll tell you soon uh, because uh, you know the year's almost up. Uh, <clears throat> but I believe God's given me a theme that will help us in, in the, the vision uh, that... I believe God has for us next year. staying focused on the things of God. One of the mistakes that we often make is assuming that we are in the struggle all alone. Have you ever been there? we've all been there and 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 when the when the Struggles of the world come along and and start to drag us down. We we can feel so alone. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, it says, Only let your conversation be as it uh, becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether uh, I come and see you or else uh, be uh, absent. I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. One mind, one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And when we're focused, we have that one mind. So what is a vision? What is what, what is what is the 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 message that God has for us this morning? Uh, Philippians chapter three. Uh, let's start reading in verse twelve. <clears throat> Philippians chapter three and verse twelve. Not as though I had already attained, either were uh, already uh, perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do. And Lord, help us this morning to understand what a vision is and how it can affect us and how it can change our lives. Help us, dear God, this morning. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What, if, what is a vision? I've got, I've got three points for you this morning. Number one, understanding... You have a lot to learn. Understanding, you have a lot to learn. You know, uh, let, let, let's look at let's look at verse twelve again. It says, "Not as though I have already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after that which I may apprehend that for which also I have apprehended of Christ, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended." Now, what Paul is doing here is he's trying to put to bed a misunderstanding that the church of Philippi had about him. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. How many of you think that Paul had it all together? Okay, we we all probably would. And what Paul is saying here in a 21st century vernacular, I guess you would say, is Paul is saying, "Hey, look, I don't have all the answers. You know, I, I struggle with sin just like you do. I, I have not arrived. And, and oftentimes, people like Paul, we look at them and we, we think that." Uh, you know, he, he just walks with God and, and, and he's in the process of growing little wings and he just kind of w- floats through life and nothing bad ever happens to him. You, you know, last, last week uh, we talked about how to pray for your pastor. And I probably should have mentioned this, but there, I have had people actually say this to me. Oh, you live such a perfect life. Nothing bad ever happens to you. and i just I, i i i usually laugh at them because i'm human too and life happens to me just like it happens to everybody else and life happens to paul just like everybody else and Paul says, just, just straight up, he says, I, I have a long way to go with, with my walk with God. I have not apprehended. Um, the word perfect here um, that he uses, um, let's see, um, in verse 12, it says, not as though I al- had already attained, either were already perfect. The word perfect there doesn't mean perfect like we, we know the word to mean. The word means to be mature. And and what is Paul saying? He says, I am not mature in the Lord. I'm still growing just like you're still growing. If 2020 has taught us anything, it should have taught us that we have so much to learn about the world. You know, I talked about being complacent earlier. You know, churches and businesses and people, we can become complacent. You know, there's nothing like a pandemic to make us uncomplacent, make us vulnerable. Are we not all vulnerable? Some more than others, but it, it should have taught us that Uh, We have much to learn about other people. You know, just about the time you think you've got it all figured out, God likes to turn the world upside down on purpose to make us realize what we don't know. But more, most importantly, I think 2020 has taught us how much we don't know about our own selves. There is something. I I don't quite understand what it is, but there's something that happens in a person's heart when they come to God and say, God, I need your help. I I can't do this on my own. There's something that takes place. There's a transforming something that takes place in a person's heart when that when that conversation takes place. In James chapter four and verse 10 it says, "humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. First Peter chapter five and verse five through seven says, "Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. There is something transforming that takes place in the heart and the mind of an individual that comes to God and says, God, I can't do it. Amy Carmichael wrote this. Sometimes we read words of those who have been more than conquerors. We feel almost despondent. I feel that I shall never be like that. But they won through step by step by little bits of will. Little denials of self. Little inward victories by faithfulness in in very little things. They became what they are. Uh, no one sees the little hidden steps; they only see the accomplishments. But even so, those small steps were taken. That is the work of the moment. I, I, lo- I love what she says, and, and that you know, basically, what she says is, you know, we we see Paul and people like Paul and Moses and. And and these people in the in the Bible and, and and on the on the surface we look at that and we say we could ne- I could never get to that point, but we fail to realize that they didn't get there by big steps. They got there by little steps. It's the little victories that that you don't see in people's hearts and lives that that get a person from here to here. And it's those, little, it's those little things that the fight and the battle takes place. We have a lot to learn. None of us has arrived. <clears throat> what does Jesus tell us in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5? He says, "...abide in Me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in Me. I am the vine." Ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. What what is what is Jesus telling us in John chapter 15? It's really pretty simple. If you want victory in your life, if you if you need strength, supernatural strength in your life, walk with me. It's it's really that simple. It's an incredibly simple compl- uh, uh, concept. Just making those little decisions that we face every day. We're going to be talking about decisions tonight. I, I'm going to tell you this, the title of the message tonight. So maybe you'll come back tonight if you, you know, if you're on the fence whether or not you're going to come back tonight. Let, let me encourage you to come back tonight because. It, It is an an important message for everybody. And the title of the message is this, Facing the Giant of Decision-Making. How many of you struggle with making decisions? We all do. We all do. And tonight we're going to be talking about some some of the ways we can learn to make good and right decisions. But Jesus here... Tells us to abide in him. The, the word abide means to stay, remain, or hold on to. Point number two. Understand that you can you can't live in the past. Look at verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. Unto those things which are before. Understand that you cannot live in the past forgetting those things which are behind. I honestly cannot remember how many times in the last 11 plus years I've preached about forgetting the past. We all, we all hold on to it. You know, we, we all, we all have baggage in the past, do we not? Every, every one of us struggles with the past. The key is we need to live in the present and leave the past alone. Paul had a brutal past. In Acts chapter seven and verses fifty-eight and fifty-nine, it says, "And he cast him out of the city and stoned him." Okay, uh, those of you that know your Bible, who is he talking about? Stephen, the first martyr in the Bible. And he cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes uh, at uh, a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. What? What was Saul's name? Change to Paul. The Apostle Paul was responsible for the murder of the first martyr named Stephen. Can you imagine pillowing your head at night knowing that you were responsible for the murder, the stoning of somebody for, for no other reason than what they believed? Can you imagine the nightmares? In Acts chapter nine and verses one and two, it says, "And Saul, again, that would be the Apostle Paul. Yet breathing out threatenings and slanders against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired a letter of him to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any in this way, in other words, if he found any believers in Jesus Christ, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. In other words, Paul personally was responsible for hundreds, maybe even thousands of Christians that were murdered and imprisoned. Yet he tells us in Philippians, forgetting those things which are behind You can't live in the past. You can't let the mistakes of the past drag you down. What happens when our lives, when we allow our past to drag us down? We cannot move forward. If we allow the, the baggage of the past to drag us down, it is like a heavy weight that we cannot get rid of and we will not move forward. Now, Paul did not live in the past, but he never forgot the past either. Now, he doesn't say forget the past in the sense that it never happened. But basically what Paul is saying here in Philippians is don't live in the past because he never forgot the past. What did he tell young, the, the young preacher Timothy. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. What was was Paul saying? Hey, I am the chief of sinners. Nobody has sinned more than I have sinned. But Paul didn't live in the past. He didn't forget the past, but he didn't live in the past. And if we are going to move forward for, for God, it is only going to be because We are going to live for the future, not the past. Question, does God forgive the sins of our past? Yes, He does. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Praise God, He has forgiven my sins. How many of you believe that? Praise the Lord. Well then, let me ask you another question. Why do we not forgive ourselves? See, we believe God forgives us. But more often than not, we, for, we fail to forgive ourselves. Carl, Carl Manninger, a famed psychiatrist, once said that if he could convince the patients in the psychiatric hospital that their sins were forgiven. Now, I'm going to reread what I just read so you understand the statement that he makes. He said that if he could convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals That their sins had been forgiven. He he went on to say, 75 of them could walk out. Excuse me, 75 percent of them could walk out tomorrow. Think about that for a second. Seventy-five percent, according to a famed psychiatrist, 75% of the people in psychiatric hospitals could be healed tomorrow if they just realized that their sins have been forgiven. So if that fact is true, which I believe it is, how many of us are living living defeated lives because we haven't forgiven ourselves? much of the struggle that we have much of the struggle that we have is because we live in the past and what is Paul saying we need to understand if we if we are going to have a vision and be able to live in this vision first and foremost it is the fact is that we have a lot to learn we have not arrived Secondly, we cannot live in the past. We can't can't live there. Because we are not going to be able to move forward if we're weighted down with the past. Number three, understand that going forward requires determination. It requires determination. Look at verse 14. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is an incredibly important word that I just read, and that is the word press. It means to pursue, to press forward or or strive forward forward. But what is really interesting uh, <clears throat> about this word, and 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 you you have to understand, this word only talks about forward motion. Now we live in a world today that has convinced us it's okay, it's okay to. Just kind of flounder. But what is Paul saying here? By using this word "press," he says, "I I press toward the mark." He said, "What he's saying is he's he's not weighed down by the past, and all he is doing is moving forward." Now, does does that mean he is moving forward in leaps and bounds? No, that's, that's not, that's not what this word means. What, what do you, I'm not a weightlifter, as you can tell, okay, but I remember in high school, we would have, uh, we, we would have PE, and, you know, periodically, we'd have to go to the weight room and lift weights, and how many of you have ever used a bench press? Okay, okay. What is the point of a bench press? Okay, okay. You you lay on your back and you get this bar and you, and you're supposed to press it. Okay. And what 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 is that? What does that do? Okay. It, it 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 strengthens. It's supposed to strengthen your your muscles. But what what is it? What is the the action of a press when you're on the bench? Okay, it's a push and and, and is it a, is it a is it a jerky kind of kind of mo- motion? What what is it? It's a slow steady push. Okay, the one thing we learned in weightlifting was it that 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 constant slow push. And that's what this word means. What what happens to a person who's pressing weight on a weight bench and they get about halfway and they stop. It usually lands about right here. Okay. <laughs> if you're lucky it lands on the chest, but a lot of times it hits you right in the throat. Because you can't you cannot sustain a, a press halfway. You can't do it. Well, unless you're like really really strong and you don't have a lot of weight. But if you're pressing the maximum weight you're capable of, you cannot stop halfway and sustain it. It's going to come back down. And this word here is an interesting word. It, it, it It carries the idea that I'm going to press with all of my might that constant forward motion in my life. That's the word that Paul uses. Paul is literally saying, I am determined only to move forward in that constant, steady pace. Paul Chappell wrote, spiritual passion begins with who, not why. Carnal passion, on the other hand, has the reverse philosophy. Now I want to talk about the emphasis of why in our lives. When when we emphasize why in our lives, it is like sitting on a bench press and getting about halfway and stopping and asking, why am I doing this? And as soon as you do that, it's going to come down and hit you. But why? But what? The big why. Why did this happen to me? How many times have we asked ourselves that question? Why is this happening to me? And then what is usually followed by that? It's not what? Fair. It's not fair. Why is this happening to me? Why did that person say what they said about me? What if I had done this? Or what if I had done that? One of the things that I do in my counseling when I when I'm counseling somebody oftentimes that is distraught over something, they are asking themselves the question why or what? What if? Or or or, or a, a combination of those kind of questions. What if I had done this? What if I had done that? And, and and the problem is, you cannot live in the what if, because the what if is in the past. And when we live in the what if or or the whys of life. Why did I do this? Why did I do that? Uh, Where did I go wrong? See, these are all questions that every one of us struggle with. And every one of these questions has to do with the past. Revelation chapter 2 and verses 1 through 4 it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven candlesticks in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven uh, golden candlesticks. Uh, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how, that's ca- and how thou canst bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which, see, uh, excuse me, which say they are apostles, and are not, and have found them liars." and has borne uh, and, born and has patience, and for my name's sake had labored and has not fainted. You know, it sounds like the first uh, four verses, or the first three verses of Revelation chapter 2, the first three verses, that the church of Ephesus was doing a lot of things right. They they were they were patient, they, they loved the Lord, they they did they were doing all of these things. But what does he say in verse 4? Nevertheless, I have some what against thee, because thou hast lost thy first love. They lost their focus. Why? Because they were so busy doing for the wrong reason. They were going through the motions and we, we often do the same thing. And that's when a church gets stale, so to speak. When a church does the same thing over and over and over, you have to ask the question, why? Why? See, we want Grace Baptist Church to stay focused on God. Not on the things of this world. See, if we'll stay focused on God, then the the rest of the rest of everything else takes care of itself. When we emphasize the who, we can live in the present. Because God is in control. See, when we we live in the why or the where or the how, we live in the past. But when we focus on the who, we live in the present because the who is Jesus Christ. And He is alive and well. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter how upside down the world can seem, He's still on the throne. Psalm chapter 84 and verse 2 My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the court of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out after the living God. Now who who wrote the majority of the Psalms? David. How did God describe David in the New Testament? A man after his own heart. See, David was focused on the things of God. He was focused on the who, not the what. Now, did David have, have a lot of baggage in his past that he could have focused on? Oh, man, you talk about baggage. The guy had a, had a ship full of it. You know, you see these big cargo ships floating around? He could have filled two or three of those with baggage. He had a lot of baggage. But what what, what was David's secret? David didn't focus on the what and the if and the where and the why. He focused on the who. And when we focus on the who, it changes our perspective. Psalm chapter 84 and verse 10 For a day in thy court is better than a thousand. I had rather be, the, be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of, the, of, of wickedness. What was David saying? He said, I'd rather stand and hold the door at the temple. <clears throat> well, at the time it was the tabernacle. He said, I'd rather do that than, than dwell in the tent. That was a symbolic of, of somebody who's very wealthy. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper than to, than, than, than to dwell with the rich. Why? Because he was focused on the who, not the what. God hasn't gone anywhere. He's still in control. What is a vision? Number one, it's understanding. You have a lot to learn. We all have a lot to learn. And we're going to talk about that next week. Understand you can't live in the past. We need to let it go. We just need to let it go. And you say, but pastor, how do you do that? It's really easy. Just let go. Say, but pastor, it's not that easy. Uh, Yeah, it is. I had a I had a, a a a man in our church. He he's no longer here. he's since moved away. <clears throat> but when he first started coming, he had he had had a, a conflict with someone years ago that that still ate at him. Y'all ever been there? We've all been there. But it was constantly one of those things that constantly kind of ate away at him. And he had an opportunity uh, through a weird circumstance to run into this individual. After years and years of bitterness in his heart, he was able to go up to this guy and say, You know what? I forgive you for what you've done. And he walked away. He said, Pastor, he said, I felt like the world was taken off my shoulders. See, we can we can give up the past real easy. We just need to determine that we're gonna do it. That and that was point number three. Understand that going forward requires determination. Next week, we're going to talk about the last two commandments. But more importantly, the vision that God's given us, and it's going to take us working together to pull off this vision. Just because God has given it to me doesn't mean it's all mine. It's I, I hope again, I pray that I'm able to communicate my vision to the church and it become our vision. But what about this week? What about this week? Let's focus on God this week and pray individually that God would speak to our hearts corporately. We need each other. We desperately need each other. Forgetting the past and determining to move forward. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for this day.